Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump Welcome back, Mom. This is part two of our Enneagram talk with Christina Wilcox. And like me, your brain might be very full of all things Enneagram. But hey, listen in today and see what other great nuggets of wisdom you can glean from our friend Christina. For our moms who are somewhat new to the Enneagram or, yeah. you know, even the the OGs who've been in it a while, I thought it would be fun to kind of just do a rundown of like some moms, some TV moms and you may hate this. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if people do this to you and they're like, diagnose me or whatever. And you're like, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it. But I thought it would be fun if I like threw out some TV moms and we tried to type them by like what they are. And let me tell you. Okay. The first one is Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore girls. She is, you know, always wanting to have a good time. But but she has worst case scenario vibes too. I think she's a seven wing six, if I had to guess. Okay. Because she's definitely in a state usually of avoiding being trapped in pain of any kind. But she does have that. And even though she does have, I could see her leaning into her eight wing in different episodes, but for the most part, she's very, even though she is flaky, she's incredibly loyal and you can see that with how she treats Rory, especially when she starts getting boyfriends. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that would be my guess for her. Christina, that's so that's good. That's fascinating. <laughs> for mama's listening, just so you know, the seven is the enthusiast. So she said she was a enthusiast. seven wings enthusiast. Yeah, enthusiast. <laughs> so she's a seven wing six. Okay. Um, okay. What about Chris Jenner? I have never seen an episode of the Kardashians. Listen, I don't really watch it either. I'm in the bubble. Still in the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also grew up in a bubble. But I do know, uh, from what I've seen, I de- actually, there's a whole podcast that went into each Kardashian's Enneagram type. Like, it was a podcast dedicated to finding the Kardashian's Enneagram types. And I, I can think see what that. they decided, because my friend sent it to me a long time ago. I think they also said that she was a three when four was their guess. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. She was very concerned with the image of the family. Yeah. But there were also some parts of her that gave off like four vibes as well. So. Okay. Okay. What about Jane Villanueva from Jane the Virgin? Yes. I think that she is a one wing nine. Okay. Interesting. Why do you think that? Because she has, I definitely see her operating in the gut triad, which is like one eights and nines. She does everything with her gut and she can be, she's very concerned less about how she 
I think she cares about how she looks to other people, but the motivation behind that is not wanting to be like condemned in any way, shape or form or humiliated. And I think that that really aligns with one, but you also see her struggle with conflict and knowing her own voice in those situations, which is very nine to me. So I think that's what I would choose. Wow, that's great. That's fascinating again. This is so mm-hmm. fascinating. Okay, <laughs> a few other options you have. Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. I love her so much. Oh my gosh, she is a four. There is no doubt in my mind that she is a four wing three. Really? Because she cares, yeah, she cares about the image, but it's, it's, she needs to express herself. Yes. Like she cannot go a day without expressing herself, whether through her hair, her clothes, her speech, her acting, like all of it is, has to be, I am expressing myself. I need to be significant. And I, but she does still have that like drive and image consciousness of a three, but I do think her dominant type would be four. That is so, and four is the individualist. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've never seen that show, Rebecca. I've uh, never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, now that we just kind of have a general understanding of what the Enneagram is and, you know, we have all of these types. As we look at that um, and we want to, you know, moms just are ter- just the worst about taking care of themselves. And we live in this day and age where there's this all this hype about self-care, Um, Mm -hmm. but really it ends up being just so artificial, you know, the ways Mm -hmm. that we're actually Mm -hmm. caring for ourselves. Um, how do you feel like the Enneagram is helpful in helping us Mm -hmm. authentically care for ourselves? Yeah, I definitely think that one, it allows you to think about self-care uniquely for you and not just like a blanket to cover all of your problems. You know, it's like, I think it invites us to think about self-care as something that is more than just feeling physically good. I think self-care sometimes is doing the things that we don't want to do at all, but it is what's best for us in the end. And that could even be as simple as brushing your teeth or putting on deodorant or doing your hair, whatever that could be. It could be something that simple, but it also could be something um, a little deeper, I think the Enneagram provides a pathway for you to be able to see what those things might be for you instead of just like seeing an infographic about self-care and like going through the infographic, which can be extremely helpful too. And I'm not dogging on that, but I think that there's, yeah, I think it just allows you to think about what it looks like for you and your spouse and the people in your life that you know like have a deeper understanding of because of the Enneagram. Yeah. So one of the things that resonated with me uh, for the threes, a way to self-care, one of the things that stood out, Mm -hmm. one of your ideas was to look back through old photos and Mm -hmm. that, that nostalgia, um, you know, is a, is a way to kind of care for yourself. Let me tell you something. I love looking back through old photos and I, that's why I do chat books and that's why Mm -hmm. I, you know, put, make these family yearly picture albums and stuff, because it does something so much. I think so often when I look at my life, I think, I'm not really doing enough. I'm not making an Mm -hmm. impact. You know, why do these days matter? But when I stop and I look at one of those books, I go, oh my goodness, what a Mm -hmm. good life we have. Look at all these wonderful things. And it kind of helps me 
my past self kind of catch up with where I am now. And it kind of gives me some peace about, oh, Mm. we're doing okay. We actually have a really good, beautiful life. Um, I had never thought about that as a self-care opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just Mm -hmm. this, this chat book comes in and I put it with the rest of them. Then I end up perusing the others and I, you know, I feel good. Oh, that's the way I'm caring for my soul is by looking back, you know, over Mm -hmm. those things. Yeah. Reminding yourself how far you've come. Yeah. Is there Mm -hmm. anything for you, um, you know, now kind of retyping yourself, is there anything (laughs) that you from the, from the book, any tips that you gave that you really do now as maybe being more in a six, seven space that have been especially helpful for you? Two things. Um, laughing really hard, but not at yourself. That is something that I was writing for myself that I didn't even know I was writing for myself. Cause I definitely have a tendency when I'm in situations to self-deprecate and to put myself at the bottom to like laugh things off or if I'm uncomfortable like it's just or even not taking being so doubtful of my capabilities of just like even laughing at my own wow like minimizing what I do even like I I even associate laughter with that minimization of like my feelings or something I've accomplished like I often found myself saying an accomplishment and like then telling a joke about something that I like but you shouldn't really think that much of me because I'm actually awful you know what I mean like that vibe and I think I've learned the power of laughing when I'm not at the expense of the laughter even if I'm putting myself in that situation and also learning there's a whole section about having your gut be your guide and sixes have a tendency to place all authority outside of themselves. Okay. They have a really hard time developing inner, there's no other, it sounds very woo woo, but like inner trust of knowing that I can make a decision and I have the resources in me because of the Holy spirit, because of everything to make a decision for myself. And I have that tendency to place authority on leaders, on people in my life, on things I'm looking at to influence my decisions and not even influence to make my decisions. Wow. Okay. And so something that I truly understood that I was a six, even through therapy of her pointing out to me, like, you realize everything you just said gave everyone else authority over your life, except for you. Wow. Like you have no authority over your decisions at the moment. And that has been something that I, I mean, I'm actively working through that in my life. Um, But I think those are two things that, yeah, I've definitely tried to put into practice. I'm just curious, like, as our moms are listening to this, like one of the things that I think I never considered about the Enneagram that you've talked about a lot is how Mm. by figuring out who you are on the Enneagram, that it's actually a step forward in health, even maybe to therapy to kind of work through Mm -hmm. through some things that you didn't know you were struggling with. And I think honestly, as a young mom, you were just trying so hard to keep up and like stay atop of things that, I mean, I did not have time for therapy. I was like, I don't got time for that. I got to like change diapers (laughs) and raise kids. Like later in my life, now that I'm in my forties and like you're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel as your kids get bigger, Mm -hmm. you really do kind of turn inward a little bit and think about what's going to make you a healthy person. 
So what would you say to a mama that's like trying to figure out this Enneagram thing? And then she thinks, well, maybe I need therapy. I think sometimes we think therapy is bad. Like, well, that means there's something wrong with you. How is that therapy with the Enneagram actually helping you become more whole? Yeah, I think a huge thing for me, because I also grew up believing that therapy meant I was crazy or that I was, you know, had reached a point beyond repair. And I think in some cases, there are people who go to therapy who are in that deep state of distress. But for the most part, what really changed my mindset, one was seeing it as a proactive measure in my life. Um, Even if I feel like I'm doing well, it doesn't mean I have to like go into therapy and dig up stuff that doesn't need to be brought up, but being proactive of you know, especially those, I mean, we've all experienced trauma in some capacity. And I think that we have certain activators that we are unaware of how we respond. We have blind spots. We have even like simple concerns we have in our life are that can be distressing. That's like valid enough of a reason to talk with someone about it, just to have not only objectivity, but A good therapist will truly see you unconditionally with love, with acceptance. It doesn't matter what you could possibly say out loud. They're clinically trained to help you in that moment and to not cast judgment and to not hold bias for what you're feeling or feel guilty for. And that's kind of with my own journey with therapy. I went because I had, I mean, I've struggled with anxiety and depression and panic my whole life. And I had kind of gone through this season of actually seeing a psychiatrist because it had gotten to a point where I was like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to function anymore with this in my life. And so I had my motivation for therapy was actually because my psychiatrist was like, yeah, you have to it's one thing to get a diagnosis. It's another to actually learn new coping skills and to um, really unpack where all of this comes from. And I think obviously therapy is intimidating. It is scary. It often gets worse before it gets better because you're unraveling things that have probably been suppressed. But I think as far as needing therapy, We are in a very privileged point in our society where needing therapy is considered more strong than it ever has in history. Yeah. And I totally understand why there's shame and stigma. And even like sometimes it's not safe for people to get therapy because of people in their life who have beliefs about therapy. But I think that at the end of the day, therapists and therapy is far more chill than a lot of people realize. Agree. Yeah. It's obviously not like what you're unpacking obviously can get to a point where you're like unpacking a lot. But I think the first few sessions and when you're really starting, it really is very, very chill. After a year and a half or two years now of really committing, I'm just now full, like right now it's in full swing versus when you first start, like your therapist can set the pace and you can set the pace of what you're ready for. Like you have ownership in that room to say what you're ready and not ready for. 
I feel like there are times for me that are more intense than others. So, mm-hmm. right, when I have a situation or something's happened in my life that's triggered something, then we mm-hmm. use that opportunity to lean in to where yeah. I might have a, an issue that we need to work through. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, otherwise, I keep the appointment and I go in and it's an opportunity for mentorship where I'm getting to talk yeah. through things. And um, But I love the language you use, Rebecca, about just being whole. You know, I think for me, yeah. I'm motivated really – I was motivated. I I started therapy as a senior in high school. I was struggling with Mm. um, disordered eating and anxiety. And then I didn't start doing it again until after Mm. I had had my third child. And really what part of what motivated me back into therapy was my children because I Mm. didn't want to pass on, you know, these legacy um, type debilitating behaviors and mindsets Mm. that had been passed on to me. I wanted to be healthy and whole for my children to set them up for a successful and healthy life. And Mm -hmm. so um, even though, you know, it it doesn't always necessarily look like it's going to fit in the budget or fit in the time really and truly it is worth the investment um, in yourself to grow um, so that you can be a blessing and and healthy to your family. Um, It's Mm -hmm. that whole putting your oxygen mask on first, you know, that you make sure that you can breathe and you're taken care of. Um, And really that's an act of love. When, Mm -hmm. when I am all about everyone else and meeting their needs first, I burn myself out and I'm Mm -hmm. not the best. I'm not what they really need. When I mm-hmm. will step away and say, okay, how do I care for Kate? So Jeremy calls it Team Kate. So I have. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm, so I have Team Kate. And when I get in a bad spot, he says, activate Team Kate. Like it's like some hoop superhero gang, you know? Um, yeah. And there are some folks that I lean on and I, I go and do the things that I need to to make sure that I'm taking care of. So it can feel selfish, just like self-care can feel selfish. And I think that's yeah. a good part of this conversation to loop in therapy with all of that because mm-hmm. they do go together just so beautifully and cohesively. I just want to encourage our moms that it's never too late to get to know yourself. Yeah. And mm. sometimes as a mom, you know, once you kind of raise your babies, you think you're done. But I feel like what we've seen from our Gather 2.0 moms is that there's still so much life left. And so wouldn't it be an amazing gift to give your grandkids one day to be the healthiest version of you? And so mm-hmm. maybe part of what their takeaway from Enneagram is, is that just they're just getting to know themselves a little bit better so that they know how to respond in a more healthy way and that they're making yeah. themselves even healthier as they get older, which is kind of crazy to think about because you kind of think, oh, okay, I'm past my prime. No, God still has something really cool yeah. out there for you. And so learning more about yourself and how to respond and how the people around you respond and what their Enneagram is might actually be a benefit to you even later in life if you've kind of missed yeah. that in your motherhood journey so far. I think it'd be a cool thing for a mom with adult or teenage kids to, or the college kids to lead their family in. Okay, let's do this discovery together. Let's get to know each other Mm -hmm. through kind of figuring out our Enneagrams. And I would say too, just that same identity loss that you mentioned, you know, we have mamas who, when they become brand new mamas, kind of lose themselves Mm -hmm. and are like, who, who am I? And I think this is also a good opportunity to stop and remember who you are, who God uniquely made you to be. Mm. And Christina, I think just as we wrap up, you know, I would just love for us to have a response to some people say, you know, we don't need the Enneagram. It's not Christian. Um, Mm -hmm. I just need to look to God to find out who I am. You know, how do you kind of see those two, those two things marrying? For sure. I think automatically when I hear that now, I think about something that 
Pete Scazzaro wrote in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is a really great book um, for Christians seeking to be emotionally healthy. And he has a whole chapter about how when you meet God and when you become saved and when you begin identifying yourself with Christ, that doesn't mean that who you are gets washed away because God intentionally created you uniquely. You have personality, you have past, you have present and future. You have all of these things that God intends to redeem, that God intends to use, that God loves. Like he loves how he made you. He made you specifically. And when you fully disregard who God made you, that also isn't seeking holiness in a way, because it's like you are allowed to, the whole identifying yourself with Christ is I'm identifying with Christ's holiness as who I am, as broken and still working through everything as I am. I just truly believe that God redeems everything under the sun and that you can, because even like therapy or psychology or different things are clinical they're not biblical like that is what it is and I think that you can find who God is and you can find wisdom in everything there is so much value in remembering who you are in Christ and also remembering who God made you and that you don't have to um, God knows the human experience he lived the human experience and he empathizes with the human experience and when you begin identifying yourself with Christ, you can't wish your humanity away. You can't wipe it away. There's nothing we can do on this side of heaven that will take our humanity away. And in that book, he just talks about how God identifying yourself with Christ isn't God just like taking away your humanity. And now you have to be this shell of a person. It is you are identifying yourself with Christ and becoming whole in him with who God intended you to be. That's my current process for answering that That's question. Beautiful. And I totally understand the fear as well. But I think um, I found that people who are saying that Enneagram is this or anything, like even therapy, like therapy is this, it often is coming from a place of fear. And there's a lot to unpack with fear. So mm-hmm. I think that that can even be a good self-care thing we don't want to do is to be like why am I afraid of this what is this telling me about me and who God made me and God's truth and his like his power over my fear and I think there's well and and just I think about with these numbers and kind of getting into the details of you know okay this person's the enthusiast or this is the idealist or (laughs) when we kind of start to see that I think it creates this beautiful variety so I think about um, there were years ago, I didn't really know any names of flowers. I didn't really know much about flowers. And so mm-hmm. I might go to the Arboretum and I would see like this beautiful flower display and I would look at it and think, oh, well, that's pretty. That looks cool. But over time, as now I have my own yard and my own garden and I'm buying mm-hmm. these flowers and I'm learning about which needs sun, which needs shade, what are they called? How do they grow? What time of year do they grow? That's good. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. when I go to the Arboretum and I see these displays, my eyes are open to a new level because I see, mm. oh, now they're popping out. I see the creativity. I see, mm. you know, the uniqueness of each of them. And it's so much more beautiful to me because I have a richer yeah. understanding of their differences and then yet mm. how they all play yeah. together, 
which I think is just such yeah. a beautiful thing um, of how God made us, you know, yeah. it's so much easier for me to, to look at a flower and go, Oh, he did so good <laughs> sometimes than <laughs> humanity, to be honest. Um, yeah, but yeah. it's, you know, it's the truth of the matter that he did create variety and he did create beauty in that. And the, the mm-hmm. deeper that we learn about it, the more that we can understand it and respect it and see how it works together. Yeah. And I think every type shows in their when they are their healthiest wholest self shows characteristics of God uniquely and I also think too it's like putting on like you said it's taking off even your own glasses of how you view the world and putting on someone else's glasses and seeing what the world looks like to them how God created them to see the world as well and I think that it's something that really shows us, I think the body of Christ and how we're wired to be different together and be united, a hand, be a different. foot, yeah. be an mm-hmm. ear. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Christina, thank you so much for having this discussion with us. We have so many moms who love the Enneagram and so many, I think there's still some in Rebecca's camp. I think they're jumping on the caboose. I think they're like, (laughs) all right, I'll get on the train. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell our moms, um, tell them about your book, how they can get it and Mm -hmm. how they can connect with you. Yeah. So my book, take care of your type and Enneagram guide to self care is available on any platform that sells books for the most part, Amazon, Barnes Noble. Um, you can also, I always encourage to go to a local bookstore and call to see if they have it or get it in there just to support local businesses. But other than that, you can find me on Instagram at Christina S. Wilcox. I have some exciting things in the works of future platforms, potentially a book too. We shall see. So definitely at the moment, that is the main place you can stay up to date with everything that I'm doing. That's amazing. We'll put all of that in the show notes, mama. So y'all can click on those things. Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We love you. We're so proud of you. So proud. (laughs) So proud. And we're so glad we got to talk with you today. And of course, send the so sweater weather me. to Texas. I yeah. will. I will blow it your way. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye, moms. Bye. One easy way you can help another mama is by sharing this podcast with her. If you have laughed, been encouraged, and gotten help here, would you take a moment to share this podcast on your socials? Text the link to a friend and leave a rating and review. Thanks for your help in getting the word out to mamas about this space we've created just for them.